Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Ramblings episode of Nothing Ventured, Nothing Game. Uh, today, we are just talking about we got the new book, Secrets of Magic, and we're just kind of just talking about it, not doing anything crazy. Uh, we're going to be just chatting. So if you like what you hear, if you got any comments, please let us know uh, in the comment options that you might have. So bottom of the video or on our podcast and just let us know. Uh, what you think about Secrets of Magic, if you're going to pick this book up or not. Hey everyone, it's Zach, and it's time for your weekly mid-roll announcements. So just hang tight a second, we'll get right back to the action. Thank you everyone for your continued support in this year of NVNG. Going forward with our Year of 21 giveaway series, we will exclusively be giving away prizes on stream on the nights we record new episodes of our Wrath of the Righteous game. The prizes that we're going to be giving away are a surprise, so make sure you join us on Wednesdays during the mid-roll to get your name and the metaphorical hat for us to select from. Congratulations to Russian Hamster 5 and Xarcoon for winning our on-stream raffles in August, and we hope you enjoy your new Die Hard Dice products. Now, I know we have plenty of fun interactive posts on our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, but if you want to know all about us, know all about our characters today and from days gone by, then head on over to our website, mvngpodcast.com, for everything we've ever done. Tina's done some updating to the website recently to add in our new season character introduction videos, so it's definitely worth checking out. If you pay attention to our website and even our socials, you'll begin to see notices of our anniversary charity stream event that's coming up soon. We'll divulge more information on that as it comes up. Something you can do to really help us out while you're listening to us, or even when you're not, is by going into your podcast app of choice and rating us five stars and leaving a comment. We're always doing our best to get even better, and your feedback means the world to us. When you're done doing that, you can also do us a solid by becoming a patron of our Patreon, where you can sign up at whatever tier you feel comfortable and able to to help us upgrade Steve Studio and get cool stuff like Discord access, MVNG swag, and premiere content as thanks. Thanks especially to Stella Meeple Uni, Slanty Streams, Hi Banana, and TechTix for your continued support as a valued patron at the Rusty Dragon Inn. Now, if you're listening to just the podcast, you're missing out on half of the fun that comes with being a fan of Nothing Ventured, Nothing Gamed. If you tune into twitch.tv forward slash MVNG on Wednesdays around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can find us playing live and add to the fun as part of our Unseen Forces. What does that mean exactly? Well, apart from name shoutouts while we record, you also get to add a bit of fun and intrigue to our game. Make us the players squirm in fear or delight with our new system of booms and lights. We tend to go through everything while we record right now, so I'm just going to let you know the new Doom and Bounty for this month. For 1,000 bits, we have Mighty Doom or Magnanimous Bounty. This one is cool because every month we have a choice of a Doom and Bounty that can affect all the players at the table for the entire month. It doesn't cancel out any blessings or curses already in play that day, and some bonuses can or can't stack with other gameplay bonuses. But by rewarding us with this, you can really shake things up. September will be featuring the following. This month's Doom is called Weak Willed, where all players now seem to lack a certain je ne sais quoi and can't seem to make decisions of their own accord, giving them a minus two miscellaneous penalty to all will saves and charisma checks for as long as it's active. This month's bounty is called Hasty Heroics, which graces us the players with the ability to tackle any situation with extreme readiness. By granting this, we will be given a plus five bonus to our movement speed and a plus one miscellaneous bonus to our armor class. 
As a reminder, that thousand bits can be used to give us one of the two options or just take it away. But only one of these bonuses can be active at a time. So stop by to learn what's up. And if you really want to make a difference as we face countless demonic and undead hordes, then hop in and mess us up, fam. Don't forget that for an added bonus, all subscriptions gifted or purchased on air when we play Wrath of the Righteous or on Jared's GM prep night will result in our boss rush meter filling. And when that hits 21, a random, very difficult encounter is the next dish on our plates. And that's about it. But before I go, please take just a moment to listen to a brief message from our sponsor, Die Hard Dice. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And if you ever need us, we'll be right here with drinks in hand and laughter in our hearts as we roll some dice and give advice with a little bit of that New York spice. And VNG is brought to you this week by Die Hard Dice. Okay, folks. I got three words for you right now that I know you're dying to hear. Satin. Gold. Ruby. Wait, what do you mean you weren't dying to hear those words and they just sound like some dragon spoils? You don't know what they have to do with each other? Well, why don't you just say so? I'm obviously talking about Die Hard Dice's line of absolutely impressive satin gold ruby dice. Now I know what you're thinking. But Zach, I can't be spending all this money on new dice. I just got some recently. To which I say, yes, my little dice goblin, but I can help you save money and tell you a neat trick about getting yourself some of these. And what I mean by that is that because Die Hard Dice is sponsoring this episode of MVNG, they've given you permission to use our exclusive promo code MVNGLOOT in all caps at checkout to save 10% off your order of new satin gold ruby dice. And the trick this time, because these Mythica metal dice are electroplated with a satin gold finish and shimmering ruby painted faces that make you feel like royalty while rolling, is to buy what you need. Need just a new D20? Get yourself a single satin gold ruby D20! Need a metric butt ton of D6s? Just grab an entire handful of them here in this shimmering color! Need a whole set? Then their standard 7-piece set that comes in a protective phone case is for you. Wait, what's that? Breaking news with Burnt Umber. Hello, I'm Burnt Umber. Burnt? What are you doing here? Get out of my ad! No can do, Zach, because I'm here to tell you and all of our listeners that these satin gold ruby dice sets are debuting something new and amazing. The new cases that they come with are a part of the Die Hard Dice's new expansion cases. So now you can also store up to four extra dice, one D20, and three D6s to turn this biznazzy up to 11. I was literally just about to tell them about this. Why did you interrupt me? Because that's my only character. Character trait, Zach. Burnt Umber, out. I... I'm scared. Anyway, yes, they have a new case now. So apart from the 7-piece dice set with their standard dice, you can also get an 11-piece set of Jesse's Satin Gold Ruby Dice, which honestly is so choice. So yeah, now I'm gonna go and seek therapy for the fact that I just had a mental breakdown in the middle of all that. So remember to thank Nothing Venture Nothing Game as you save 10% off your order of Satin Gold Ruby Dice or any of the other cool merch at DieHardDice.com with our promo code MVNGLOOT in all caps. Enjoy, all you kings and queens and goblins of the Dice Kingdom. So, I'm joined by Tina, Fabio, 
Jeff, and Steve, initial thoughts on Secrets of Magic. What's your your first thoughts on it? Uh, Jeff, what do you think? Um, first off, I love the art. The art is awesome. I really think it's cool. Um, that's one part that really kind of sh- struck me. Was like, oh wow, it was like some of the this art is like really really good. Oh, I heard that. <laughs> Lightning. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I love a lot of the new magic items that they have. Uh, some of the new spells are absolutely fantastic. Um, I love the beginning stuff where they sort of give you like these uh, like letters or uh, like stories or sort of descriptions of like sort of how the, you know, the arcane, the divine, the uh, occult and the primal spells sort of work and how they feel about the other you know how like one feels about the other three, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I thought it was really really cool. Um, you know, they talk about the schools of magic a lot, um, which was also really cool. Uh, I loved a lot of the beginning stuff, like all the intro stuff. I thought it was really really impressive. Mm. Cool, cool. Uh, Tina, um, I just let a cursory glance. I'm loving all the new spells. Like some of them just seem really crazy, but at the same time, especially like. Coming off of um, like our first campaign, just going through the primal spells, I'm like, there's a lot of this stuff that I really would have loved to have as Keiko. Like that one where like you can summon lightning and have it go into your weapon and then hit somebody with that. Like mm-hmm. that would have been awesome. So I I love the all the options that are available now. So it's just fun. I gotta I gotta dive into it in more detail. But you know, if you didn't have enough options before and it didn't take you forever to create a character, you know. Why not? <laughs> yeah, even more. Uh, Fabio, thoughts? I'm I'm a fan so far. I want to say that thank you for finally taking the time to like really go through, you know, what people were talking about and asking for. I see going through a lot of this that there are a lot of different ideas that I constantly hear on different forums, that I hear on different groups that are in some way, shape, or form. Even some of the stuff that we've said in like our own podcasts or on our show like ideas along that end are somewhere in here somewhere, which we've all been joking about or been mad about in some way, shape or form. But if anything, what it does, it gives you a lot of emanation, just like Tina said, to like build your own character. If it took you forever before, it's going to take you a minute now, but in a good way, because now you can really like tailor make what it is that you want. I like what they did with both of the Megas as well as the Summoner. They're not really classes that like I'm huge into playing, but after looking at the Megas, I'm like, you know what? I like hitting things. I don't really like magic. But if you want like a cross between between where you can do something a little bit interesting and give your attacks a little bit more flair, you can definitely have some fun with it. This thing is gorgeous to look at. You know, the art is amazing. The pictures are great. The random little like notes here and there. It really feels like you're looking through a tome of knowledge. That will expand your horizons as you play Pathfinder 2. Like I said, I was like, yo, this is dope the entire time I was reading. Even if it was stuff I didn't like, like random spells that kind of did stuff that I'm like, how does this work? It really painted a picture of things that you can do. And I I like that. It's fun. When you can read it and see it in your brain, sometimes it's easier to explain to your GM or DM how something's going to work. And I like that they really push that. Uh, Steve's initial thoughts on what you're looking at. 
Uh, like I said, everyone kind of hit on a lot of the different things that, that I appreciate. Like I said, the artwork is amazing. Uh, as Jeff said, the classes look, compared to the playtest, look like they're a much improvement from the playtest. And a lot of things we saw were, some things we saw were kept, some things we saw were gotten rid of, some things were approved. So all around, I can't wait to play some of these classes. One thing that I wanted to look at, and I have only had a really short chance to look at it, which is after the classes, after the spells, after the magic items, there's chapter five, which is the book of unlimited magic, which goes into all the different new styles of magic that shadow magic, pervasive magic, leyline magic, cathartic magic, which is basically um Talk about, you know, a Green Lantern with all the different colors mm-hmm. of the Lantern core, all the different emotional yeah. magic. Yeah. So uh, the Soul Forge, all the, I want to get into all this crazy stuff, which, which some of this is, uh, most of this book is player option stuff, you know, feats and all, all that backgrounds and, and the like. But when you start getting to these other types of magic, there are player options as well, but then it comes to the things where where the DM can really mess with and really kind of tailor how magic works in their world. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think pretty pretty much uh, that's true. Uh, the Soul Forge is so. I'm going to say this. Um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say this, and I, I hope everyone could agree, even if you've never seen it. I feel like when Paizo and the people making this book sat down. Uh, they were just watching a ton of anime. Yep. And a, and a lot of this book is, if you read it, you're like, wait, what? But if you're a fan of anime and that style of, of medium, uh, you're like, oh, I've seen this in at least four different anime. Uh, so Steve mentioned the Soul Forge, which is kind of like a, uh, like you you have a magical connection to armor or weapons and you can summon them from wherever. And I was like, oh, I've seen that. That's just a Sailor Moon transformation. Be like, well, my character just Sailor Moon's her armor on. And I was like, that's fucking dope. Um, So there's a a lot in this book that I feel is is really interesting and also uh, anime, anime uh, full. Um, Like like Steve had alluded to, like this is just as much as a DM's tool as it is for players. Like there's a lot of things that the DM can draw upon, especially when they're using enemy casters. You know, it opens up a whole new like, all right, uh, used to have some. You know, like he's just going to do fireball on you, you know, or I'm just going to shatter everybody, or I mean, which clearly functions great. But I mean, even now, your DMs could sort of you know detail everything for you. Uh, you can have like you know a whole bunch of elementalists come out and just bombard you with elemental style spells. Um, you know, uh, or you could just True have like, name you know, magic. like the shadow clan, you know, that does the shadow type, all the shadow magic and stuff like that. You could really sort of, uh, almost like in the old days when you used to have wizard guilds, like you could have sort of, you know, wizard groups or you know, arcane groups, occult groups, uh, you know, they could just be, you know, priests that do all this cathartic stuff and just make everybody weep openly while, you know, while the knights come in and chop you all up. <laughs> uh so we were looking at the backgrounds before we hopped in and i know tina saw one that she's mad she didn't have when she started which was the plant whisperer which if you listen to our old episode someone goes wait can't you talk to plants nope. Tina, tina's like nope you i could talk to animals and lightning you go which, yourself. which, which having this is a 
having it as a background is interesting because then that kind of frees up a spell slot. Aha! 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 You you don't have to worry about preparing something. It's just it's part of your background. It's something that you kind of have in your pocket. Yeah. Plants, or you're just crazy, or both, mm-hmm. or you both. Um, so, uh, I like the the weirdest one I think I saw, which was the, and it's a rare one, and and Steve always gets on me about the rare stuff, but like the time okay. traveler, that's that I feel is a super weird background. Hey, Doctor be, Who. Yeah, you're like Doctor Who, right? That's how you would play it. Yeah. So just keep in mind, some of these backgrounds in the book are just regular backgrounds. They could be, you know, picked, obviously, if your DM, you know, allows this book to be used in their game. Uh, there's regular backgrounds. And then some of these backgrounds are rare, magical backgrounds. And specifically, one of the time traveler one is one of the rare ones. Right. Then there's sort of like the magical Wolverine one, uh, the magical experiment. Yeah. And they just, you know, at some point, they've just bombarded you with magic. And they try to hold a whole bunch of stuff on you, and you know, uh, that's a that's a rare one that I would like. You know, if I ever played one of the rare backgrounds, um, but even like I said, even the regular backgrounds are great. Uh, you know, occult librarian is pretty cool. Street preacher that's something that we've actually discussed in our podcast before, and also yeah. in private. So uh, magical know, misfits kind of fun too. That it's, is you yeah, use your magic cool. to basically like fuck shit up. Which is kind of what you do in a campaign anyway. Just now you get to have a background in it. Right. Yeah. If you want to be completely chaotic, Magical Misfit is the one for you. It's kind of like Arcane Trickster, but like slightly different. Yeah. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even see Magical Misfit. Yeah, it's yeah, right next it. to Street Preacher. Right. Yeah, it's, it's Magical Misfit is pretty cool. Yeah. I I and and I'll say this. Having the skill that uh, the that it comes with the trick magic item mm-hmm. that's really powerful yeah because like how magic items work and stuff like you can't really use um and Steve correct me if I'm wrong you can't really use like if 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 I have a like a, a divine uh magical item and I don't have it on my list of spells I can't use it but with that ability <laughs> I could trick it into believing i can Depends. use it like some some magical items require you to take the cast a spell activity or some other activity that would require you to be able to use a certain type of magic so with that you can try to trick the item into thinking that you can do that which you actually can't but some items don't have that requirement it depends on the item yeah but it, it's it's nice cuz you still have like intelligence or dex so you can still be like smart you're just it's like the complete, like you have, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. This is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> with great power, let's fuck shit up. Basically. <laughs> I, I kind of want Tina to make Loki. Oh. It'll oh. What is it? It'll Sof- what was it Sophie? What was the other one? Sophie. Sophie. Sylvie. 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 We're going to get it. We're going to get it. No, we're, we're going to get it. Sylvie or, or alligator Loki. <laughs> oh. Alligator Loki all day! All day. (laughs) Spellcasting Alligator Loki. Let's go. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm looking at the backgrounds. The one I really like. Everybody knows this street preacher. I've been talking about a street preacher for since like ever since I started making clerics. 
Or any sort of anytime I started making like any type of healing class, I was like, yo, Jared, I either have street pharmacist or a street preacher or a street magician. Now they're like, you know what? Let's take this street preacher, give you this. And it just makes sense. You know, like you've preached on the streets and the corners and the public houses, the wanderers, like that's your guy. Like you're not really into like the whole like holier than thou church thing. Like, listen, I'm down with the greediness. I'm down on the road level, within the trenches, with the adventurers, hear my sermon. I like that. Something You're like 1970s that. preacher, gritty. Exactly. Give me the <laughs> give me the literal soapbox that I'm going to put on the ground. I'm going to stand <laughs> and I'm going to be like, brothers and sisters, beware for the street preacher. And just start dropping bars on people. That one and the chosen one. The chosen one, I just freaking think their prophecy pawn option is dope. Basically, it's like, listen, you roll... You roll trash and you fail a save or you fail an attack or you fail a skill check. And it's like, yo, listen, DM, I'm going to roll again. But you're going to at some point later down the road, you're going to have me re-roll something. So it's like you miss an attack roll. You're like, OK, I'm going to use my prophecy pawn. Boom. Roll again. Hey, you hit. Now, later on, the GM's like, oh, you rolled a nat 20. You know, re-roll that nat 20. Wait, and take that back. Who knows? Maybe right now it's like you're adjusting the scales of fate. At first, when I read the chosen one, I thought it was broken as hell. But then now having like the option of possibly succeeding, right, from a guaranteed failure before into something else, and then later on, your DM's gonna be like, "Yo, re-roll that." I like this. I don't like gambling, but I like stuff like this. I'm a fan of the chosen one. <clears throat> Talking um, about the backgrounds, I, I I always when I was looking through them, I'm like, false medium is definitely Henny right now in our current Wrath of the Righteous game. Yeah. It's like I'll tell you your fortune for a little bit of coin. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like half of us. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it definitely sounds like some people we know already. Sounds like everyone in the group. <laughs> no, but Henny specifically with the cards. Yeah. I like Song of the Deep because it's kind of like being a vampire, but you're you're basically like resuscitated Merfolk in a way. Basically, you die, and then these creatures underwater bring you back to life. So you have this ability now to breathe underwater, but you die, and then you're brought back to life. That's the background. That's dope. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. Song of the yeah. Deep. It's yeah. not. It's it's a rare one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on. During, Sorry. During a sea voyage, you washed overboard, ingested seawater, and drowned. That's the first sentence of the yep. song. Yeah. <laughs> you drown. Bye. <laughs> you have the ability to breathe on the water. Special. You can choose to lose the ability to breathe air when you take this background, making you only able to breathe on the water. If you do, you gain a second ability boost. Which is a free ability. Oh, okay. I see what you, I see what that is. So if you're playing like a all aquatic campaign, like if we were like, hey so guys, are very specific, yeah, yeah, like that. I I like the swung in the deep because that would be a cool background. Because sometimes like you want to mix a background with a class, and then you can mix that with like witch, right? Where you have a like a patron, and your patron could be a great old one like Cthulhu. And he's like, no, he brought me back. But now I'm a little bit more fishy. Yep. Well, it's like Aquaman meets the drowned ones from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, how they like sort of initiate 
you by drowning you. And if you survive the drowning, it's sort of like, so, and it's sort of like, you know, yep. welcome back, bitch. Get ready for adventuring. Yup. But it's nice because you can still do that, but you can be any ancestry. You don't have to be Fish some person. things, but yeah, you can be anything. But yeah, I just saw that. It's like, you die. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yup. That's a starting, it's a rough starting sentence. Yo, you died. Yep. And this is what happens to you after the fact. Whoa. But it, it doesn't seem like you're considered undead. Like you're actually brought back to life. I, yes, I, you've been resurrected. You haven't become yeah. undead. You are alive again. Mm-hmm. I, I have a... So a just, just like backstory-wise, like there's a lot you could do with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a legitimate question. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I jump into the pool and I drown and someone gives me CPR, am I technically a song of a deep person? No, because they have to. It even says here that once they pulled your unconscious body from the birth, having spent some time under what? Well, where is it? They your exhaled. Yeah, they exhaled into your lungs and shared the ability to breathe underwater in the pool. So, so we have to somebody who already can do it, and they have to give you CPR. Exactly. Oh, got it. Got it. Otherwise, but, you just wake up a normal person. That's whack. But that's the, the, the key thing about this one, to make it a little bit different, is you only gain one ability boost from this, but it could be of one of three ability scores. And that's really one of the reasons why the special effect says if you decide to breathe only underwater, you gain that second ability boost, which is free. So you don't normally gain the free ability boost with this background. So you trade breathing underwater for an ability boost. Correct. Which is cool. Yeah. I'm like, uh, if you're in one, why not? Yeah. Why I feel not? like if you're in one of those like pirate campaigns or any type of like campaign where there's going to be a lot of water, this could be something interesting. I definitely could see like there's some use there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then otherwise, it's just like, eh, just get rid of it. It's definitely one of those situations where you need to talk with your group beforehand about the setting of your campaign before you make your characters. Because like that and Seer of the Dead are very specific. If you don't run into those scenarios, those backgrounds aren't really going to be useful. Very, very true. Yeah. You you play an entire, you're like, oh, guys, I came up with this really cool character. I drowned, and this merp person, Daily, brought me back from the dead. I right, this entire campaign takes place in the desert and in the We're sky. Landlocked, yeah. You're <laughs> landlocked. You're like... You know, uh, I mean, the backgrounds as a whole, they really give you a lot of options, a lot of new cool options. And, uh, you know, I said, you know, it's always good to have rare ones. You know, I know, you know, being an old school kind of player that I am, it's like, you know, we take rare to mean rare. But, you know, as long as your DM says, hey, you all could be those things if you want, then that's cool, too. Did you create but, you know, a campaign out of, sort of limit rare? You know, like the super special kids, like I, it's all the rare background kids. <laughs> <laughs> So this this is a bit of a tangent, but I always thought I always played my campaigns that my players are rare. Like there are clerics, but you're this like you're a cleric or you're, you're a cleric. Yeah, like you're the cleric. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you have to think most people yeah. are zero level, you know, humans or dwarves or halflings home. or whatever. They don't go out adventuring. <laughs> yeah. They're smart. You know? I don't yeah, know. Like, uh, I like adventuring in my real life, so clearly we're, I'm doing something right, right, depending on how you're looking at it. You know, um, so yeah, like, you know, you know, like a fifth level fighter is rare. You know, in like in the grand scheme of the world, you know, a, a fifth level cleric is rare, you know, as yeah. far as, you know, yeah. the population of your world. 
you know. So, so I mean, one of those uh, words you have to, you know. Yeah, obviously the so the tag rare, and this is just so that we are all aware, is is more or less just in there to a have a conversation with your DM to make sure that you're not making an aquatic based character that yeah. in a landlocked campaign uh, or dungeon delving campaign. I mean, like theoretically, you might get into like some aquifers or underground like waterways, but those are probably super uh, rare. Um, uh, <laughs> well, like um, medium rare. Yeah. Oh, how I like my steak. Or uh, just so that you're aware that you can't play those in Pathfinder Society. Like rare backgrounds can't be played in society uh, as long as it's Pathfinder legal, right? Like obviously, if you're just messing around at home using society missions, that's fine. You could do whatever you want. Uh, but if you're going to cons and stuff, that's why those tags are there. So moving forward, uh, let's just talk about the two new classes. So you have Magus and Summoner. Uh, which one would you guys like to talk about first? Any of those stick out or any of those are like meh? Mm, I'm going to be honest. Summoner to me is meh. But that's only because I'm weird with anything with pets. First character had a full pet, just so everyone knows he played a ranger with a bird. Yes, <laughs> I did. And what did I say? I hate pets. What was my opening statement, Jared? I hate, I pets. hate pets. You still that played was my one, though. I still played one. I don't like playing. And the reason why is just it's taking taking stock of what the other thing has to do and always remembering that you have another creature that it's like controlling two characters, right? And I feel like the summoner kind of blends that a little bit. So it's like, even though you have two characters, you can kind of do just two things from different points. So it's interesting. But for me, it's just, uh, it's not my cup of tea, but I can definitely see like where it would be like a fun class to at least have in a party. The cool thing about yeah, the summoner is if... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Oh, I was, I was just going to say, uh, again, like sort of with the summoner, it's not really something that I would probably play. But I could see how you know people who like to play that type of thing would really enjoy playing it. Um, I think uh, they they carried enough over from the uh, the play test, and they actually I think did get rid of some of the stuff that was just not right. You know, I, mean, I couldn't get into too many specifics about it because, um, uh, like I said, I didn't really play that class in the play test, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the summoner, but that's just me personally. Like, it's not a class that I would normally play. Pokemon. Yeah, you're Pokemon master with one Pokemon that's juiced out of its mind. <laughs> I, I, I mean, let's be honest. Like, it's Digimon? really <laughs> yeah. Digimon? But, it's, it's Digimon. No, listen. This is in my mind. I imagine Eidolon like. There's some creature that you have full control of. You have a telekinetic bond with it. And then there's also you. And whatever it is, if you got to fist fight it, you're going to fist fight it, which wouldn't be smart because you've got spells, but you could. And your Eidolon's going to fist fight it or claw fight it, fight it, whatever it is. It's just you and a creature beating the crap out of everything. Uh, you, you come with your own little army. You're a two-man squad by yourself. Yeah, there's no straight up one on one fights. We don't no. fight fair. <laughs> Summoners do not fight fair. There you go. They That's have no honor. 
But it can be a demon, though. So absolutely, which has no honor. But do it. So I'm going to come to the rescue of the summoner and say I think it's now officially my favorite class in all of Pathfinder Second Edition. Um. So, and the reason why I say that is, uh, it's I think a super versatile class, at, but. Let me preface what I'm about to say is I actually liked playing the Ice Climbers in Super Smash Brothers, and I'm pretty sure I was the only person who liked Ice Climbers as a as a fight team. They had no honor! Because <laughs> it was always two dudes. It was always yeah. two dudes. But here's the thing. I can see... So in, in our campaign, we have a lot of players, right? So we have uh, five players altogether. Uh, occasionally six players. Uh, but more or less five players. Now you add a pet that is also inherently its own entity mm-hmm. where it has its own personality, its own, like if it's a demon, it might be saying some like angry shit in the background. Um, But the cool thing is in my head, uh, so y- you have too many players already, right? So, so once you get to like the summoner person, anything more than four person team, uh, you're now gonna like make turns go extremely long because your idolons are gonna do some shit and you're gonna do some shit and then you know uh with that being said i I was a fan of the ice climbers I'm a fan of venom especially the the, the venom movie uh you know with Tom Hardy and then you have that ability to merge with your idolon so if you choose demon you can literally make yourself look like venom and be like, and then Venom, yeah. yo, right? We like you could have a Venom. Yeah, yep. like you could have a whole cool thing. Or what I thought would be fun is if, let's say, in our campaign, two players died, well, person could come back as a summoner, and the other person could come back as a the summon, and then you actually would have two players, and then they could choose, you know, to work unified. Or the summon could be like, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, wait, what? I'm telling you to do it. Mm-mm. So it, I think it opens a lot of opportunity for role play if you're good at if you're good. Or you could just choose the primal, which is just an animal, and you could be like, I have angry monkey. Uh so he doesn't really you talk. Have a boo? <laughs> I, yeah, have a boo? Just, I have a boo. <laughs> and he just every so often nods and just goes along with what I do. You know, to couple back on what Jared said, th- this obviously both of these classes, Magus and Summoner, were originally from Pathfinder First Edition. The whole the, your Summoner turn takes forever was a much more significant problem in First Edition because your Eidolon literally was a second character and it had its own initiative, its own set of abilities, its own basically character sheet. Now you still have you have its base stats and you still have what it could do here. But you're still limited to three kind of four actions with the summoner because the summoners have ways of manipulating actions to a, to an extent. But it's still the summoner and Eidolon as one entity versus having two separate player characters controlled by one person. So turn length, I mean, obviously you're having to control two things in movement and whatnot, but it's still it's still going to be you know, maybe involved, and I would say it's not for a beginner person, unless they're really, really good Three. at the game. 
I mean, not for nothing. It's just complicated. There's a lot of going on because you got Spellcast no, and you got I Eidolon. I wouldn't jump into this right now, and I've been playing for two years, so I'd, I'd wait a bit before I speak this. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. uh, I mean, I would never say that this is a bad class. It's just literally, it's just not really for me personally. Like, it's not something that I would like, oh, I, I want to play a summoner. It's not, you know, I mean, eventually I might just, you know, if I ever get around to playing all the clan, but it's it's not one like that's for me. You know, but I mean, it, there's some stuff in there that's really powerful. Yeah, the, the class itself looks interesting. I can yeah. definitely see, like, just like Jared was saying, like, there's a lot of versatility. You can have a lot of fun with this class. Like, I can honestly see, like, people coming up with some wild mixes, whether they want to have, like, their own Venom symbiote combination, whether they want to play a Pokemon, um, um, a Pokemon Master, whether they're trying to do the whole Digimon fusion with their whole creature. Whatever it is, you could literally make that happen with this class, right? And, like, the amount of just battlefield control that you can have while, like, I'm over here, my island's over there, I'm doing stuff, and they're doing stuff. It's It seems like a lot of fun. It's not for me because I forget. I know I forget. Like, there are multiple times we're playing with Rage, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I got to make her do something. And, like... I had to drill it into my head to do stuff. With this, there is no forgetting because half your turn has to be to tell the Eidolon to either do something unless you're solely doing something either that's not combat-related or you're on a very specific task. But there's still a lot of fun that can be had here. Like me, I like the Megas a lot more in comparison if you're going to ask what I like a little bit more, but I do see the appeal to the Summoner. Just not for me. But maybe it's for you. Well, that's a that's a good shift talking about the Megas. Um, that's the other class. Uh, I personally think, uh, it, obviously, Tina just got the book, but it looks very similar to the Inquisitor that we homebrew. Kind of, so, yeah. So, uh, I I think that would be. I I don't know. The Megas to me seems very limiting as a class, and I I don't like constraint or restrictions. The main oh, way, though. Yeah. Um. So, uh, without going into great detail, right? This isn't a detailed conversation, but like the the whole concept of the the magus for me was combination of magic caster, right? So instead of instead of starting fighter, dedicating sorcerer, wizard, and and yada yada yada, uh, I I would have liked to have seen the class that kind of came out the gate with that, and now they have that, which is the spell strike, but that is a single turn, a single thing once, once, uh, you know, you can't do it again until you recharge your spell strike. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can't do that, but then like, yeah, but you can do that multiple times in combat. No, mm -hmm. but they're sorry. And this is what I find limiting. Uh, they're, what do they call them? They're like specialty. They are, they are uh, what are they called? The hybrid studies are super, like, you either are punching things, you're fighting with a two-handed sword, um, or you're a ranged fighter. And, or staff. Or, yeah, you decided to use a staff. Um, I just find those to be very limiting. Or, you know, or you're a one-handed fighter, so you only have one weapon in one hand. And that, like, I just... I don't know. I just feel this is like it seems powerful, 
I feel like it's going to fall into the, oh, I, I just have this one routine as a class. Like, this is my, my routine, and I don't break from it while in combat. Like, I do A, B, C. Well, and for the most part, most routine. character classes are like that, though. No. If I'm playing a barbarian and I decided that I really want to get good with one big two-hander, or I'm going to be the, ro the ranger who takes two weapons and doesn't take a bow, or I'm the fighter that takes sword and shield, all my feats are going to be dedicated to that one ideal. Uh, as as, as Keiko power. decides to control the storms at her house. Yeah, we, we literally watched her lights flicker. <laughs> um, and, I don't like that. But, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but for the, I, for I the most part... And I and understand. The, oh, sorry, guys. Sorry. So, all uh, what what your argument is? Hey, man, if I'm using sword and shield, I'm gonna probably focus on using sword and shield, and that's true. But that's your choice. As like, if I wanted to use a great sword as a ranger, I still have the option flurry, right? Or fury, flurry, right? Flurry. It lowers my map as a ranger. Mm -hmm. So it, I could be using a bow. I could be using two-handed weapon. I could be using dual weapons. I could be using a one-handed weapon, just on one hand, no, no, you know, no, nothing else. Sword and board, but because flurry still lowers my map, it still makes it versatile. This says I have to be using a two-handed sword for my ability or a two-handed weapon for my ability to work. I have to be fighting with my bare knuckles for this ability to work. I have to be no, using a No, not staff. necessarily. You can typically use other weapons because you're trained at all martial weapons. Yes. But you gain but, a benefit for using that one stance. For that one, excuse yeah. me, no, not the word stance. You gain a benefit for using that one style, which kind of couples back to the fact that you're having to split your time. I mean, from, from the lore of the class, you're having to split your time of learning how to fight with weapons and learning magic. So what restrictions you have for using a particular weapon style that you've dedicated to in this class is coupled with the fact that you know magic. So magic comes up and kind of covers your weaknesses. Right, yeah. I I, I sort of see where Steve is actually going with this. It, uh, like I said, you know, as somebody who's, you know, studying fighting and studying magic, you're not going to be, you know, the best fighter in the world, you're not going to be the best magic person in the world, but you're combining them. So like, sort of like, okay, you know, I could do this while I have my two handed sword. So I'm going to go more that style or, you know what? I like the twisted tree. I think this is great. I'm going to concentrate more on my staff. So it's sort of more of a mindset of a magus. It's a little more regimented um, because they're sort of combining two things, the magic and the combat. And I think that's sort of where like, like I hate to call them limitations, but I think it's just more of the structure of how you would develop as a magus, as opposed to like, oh, I should be able to use ten different swords with this ability. Like it's like, would you really have the time or the the preparation or you know, sort of the knowledge of all of that? I don't know if I'm sort of speaking a little too existentially about it. But it's sort of like, I think Omegas should be a little more regimented in the fact that they're actually taking on two totally different worlds and making it into something that works for them. So, like, I could see them having, like, oh, you know what, this style works best for me. So I'm going to go with this style, you know. And I actually like the Twisting Tree. I think it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, and actually, pretty good. They actually have a couple of cool feats with that, but we'll go yeah, into that later. 
Yeah, that's uh, I yeah when uh, when we do something a little more in depth uh, in some other things with this, but yeah, I actually I you know, like I would play a Magus. I would eventually try to play one. I think it's pretty cool because I don't I like sort of things that are regimented and have you know because believe me, I play my crazy rogues and my crazy you know invocation wizards and stuff. But sometimes you want something that's just a little more like you know personal stance oriented yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna say give me liberty or give me death with that statement on limiting me freedom <laughs> well then don't play yeah, mega the mega system for you it's, it's not a, it's not really a limitation it's it's like i said it's just a matter of you're absorbing so much knowledge from two worlds that it would be hard to retain as much from each as you would think in order to be a magus that's just sort of kind of how I see the, you know, the sort of the development of the actual idea of Amagus. But that's just me. Like I said, other people may have differing opinions. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that sort of uh, adds to what Steve was saying about that. That's sort of the vibes and ideas I was picking up from Steve. Yeah. I like the Amagus class. I really do. I, I really like that they... It's not, I don't want to say that it's completely seamless where they've added in the magic and they've added in like Marshall, but the way that it combines together really makes some fun alternatives that trying to do a dedication always feels like a little slow. And it's like, oh, I don't really start doing anything super cool until like level four or level five because I'm waiting for my wizard dedication or my sorcerer dedication to give me like extra spells and where I can kind of do them in addition to attacking. This one's just like, hey, listen, you can do both at the same time. Now, you're not going to be an expert in either, but you're going to be pretty solid in both. And the way that they kind of like make it like, I really like the Laughing Shadow, which basically gives you a little bit of extra movement, a little bit of extra damage, gives you like this dimensional assault, which just is freaking dope, in my opinion. I, I just like the ideas behind it that they really added together to make it so that you can do your spells, channel them into your strikes, whether it's with a great sword or with a bow or, you know, if you have a shield or something like that, you can really like add to making you feel powerful, even at level one, or at least make you feel interesting. It looks like you're going somewhere. And I think with the Magus, you kind of have to have, I don't want to say like a plan from one to level 20, but definitely have an idea of like how you want your character to be built. And it gives you a lot of tools along the way to help bring you into that direction. I, I, in comparison between the two classes, I really like, you know, the flair of the Magus. I love the names of a lot of the moves, the stances and utility spells and all these utilities that you have. Cause it just gives me like mental images of like, Ooh, this is what my character would totally be doing. That's fun. I, I really think that they finally got this class to where it needed to be. And I hope that later on when they start adding like additional stances or um, other, uh, what you would call it, hybrid studies, it'll be like really interesting. But I think with what you're saying, Jared, with like the whole limitation thing, maybe just because it's still brand new and they don't have like more hybrid studies or other things that they can add in yet because they just want to give you the base of the class. Maybe later on it'll be more fleshed out for other things that you can do. But I think as it is right now, as like a singular class, I think it's fun for anybody that wants to like really mix magic and martial. I'm kind of hoping Tina's on my side on this one. 
Tina, Tina, you, you, you with me or am I by myself? <laughs> oh, kind of already oh, playing someone who's mixing magic and, and Marshall. So I got to consider my options here. <laughs> we're, just gonna go, we're just gonna go through all the classes yeah i'm gonna go from champion to inquisitor to make we're just gonna do all of them i mean who won't there be yeah well like see like so would you so the two-handed thing that would work with your pole arm right like if we were if we were to switch you right like if if you read through magus and you were like hey i kind of think i would have been a magus that's kind of where my character should go would the this I guess is a real question. Would the two-handed weapon thing work with the pole arm? Yes. Yeah, it's a two-handed weapon. Most yeah. Yeah. Arms are, so. You transform the mass oh. of a great axe, great sword, or pole arm into an untoppable force to augment your own striking power or to keep you standing on the battlefield. So yeah, it works with any two-handed weapon. Okay. And yet again, uh, it's not the saying that you can only use a two-handed weapon, but you gain a benefit for, for focusing on wielding a two-handed weapon, you gain a benefit. For being in your stance while wielding a two-handed weapon. Exactly. No, I, I understand. Also, I'm I was not a fan of uh so this is just me. If I'm casting spells, uh why the fuck do I need a ranged uh specialty if I'm ready able to if I can shoot fire down the block, I'm not using you know a, a bow and arrow. But I mean when, not all when, spells are ranged, so that is true, and maybe. What you're doing is you can shoot down the block, but now you can channel that shot down the block into your arrow. That's kind of ridiculous. Uh, also, the fact that, uh, what was it? Yeah, it was the, the starlit span. That's actually, it was funny because a lot of things that during the playtest we were talking about that spell strike had limitations in, which they fixed with this ability, where it basically you let you use touch spells at range. With this ability, with using the range ability, which is busted, I love it. Yeah, that's that's kind of boss right there. Yeah, I know it's awesome. <laughs> that is really cool. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, like it's stupid. A way to, this is a way to to do the spell casting melee without being tied to a deity. With yeah. champion Arcan and with inquisitor, you kind of yeah yeah. Oh, uh, I guess this is uh, another rules question. Do they get spell books? Do they have to use a yes. spell book? Because they, they, they get a spell they, book. They, they get spell books. Okay. Yeah. I, you can again, hit them with your book. Funny That's enough. You, well, you can always do that too. But funny enough, there's a first level feat. And actually, there's an entire um, combat style, a hybrid study based on using shields, which I thought was really cool. And there's a feat called Raise Your Tome, which you use your tome as a shield. And eventually, yeah. you can actually merge your spell book with the shield. It's shield the coolest the spell. I, I, it's yeah, the coolest it, ability. It's what I think a fourth or sixth level feat, and you just merge them two together. I was like, oh, I want to oh, do that. Now. If you do yeah. that with I, the, the yeah. librarian background, yep, oh! that is really cool. <laughs> that was one of the first feats I looked at when I saw that raise a tome, that first level feat. I'm just like, yo, here's a plus two year older class for a book. With a big ass book, like I raised the Encyclopedia Britannica to shield me from your damage. <laughs> and then it's a book of letter K. Hardcover, not paperback. Okay, original leather bound. Yeah. Yeah. Like the metal buckle. 
Yeah. What, what do you think that's cool as shit? Rivets, the little metal rivets? Somebody's nope. getting a concussion. <laughs> I, I I have a question. Yes. Uh as if you if if you're listening to the podcast, you you you're missing out on the fact that we as we were talking about this, everyone kept swinging an imaginary book <laughs> against imaginary foes. So as as I watched everyone swing an imaginary book against imaginary foes, they were wielding it with two hands. Steve, would you classify a tome as a two-handed weapon? Then theoretically you could take the two-handed weapon ability <laughs> to just fuck. Rules-wise, the book is one-handed. You can wield it in two hands. You gain no statistical benefit for doing so. Right. It's a two-handed weapon book. Two-handed book. No, it's one-handed. With- you just put it in two hands. You don't gain a benefit for putting it in two hands. Hold on. It's is, one-handed. Is that book about string theory? Yes. Yeah. I've read that. <laughs> That's so funny. It's a good book. The, the other cool thing cool. about the the sparkling targ, which is the the shield oriented hybrid style, is that it increases the hardness of your shield just by innately being in that stance. Yep, which is awesome. You can take more damage. Yep. Yeah, some of these. Uh... Some of these uh, hybrid studies are really, really good. They're all really good, depending on whatever style you want to go with. You can do some stupid shit. And I don't even like magic like that, but this (laughs) made me like magic. I was like, you know what? I can hit things with magic? All right. I mean, you don't get a boatload of magic, so it's not like, you know... Like you know, sometimes and then you, you can hit you know, people with your book of magic. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's an character. Yo, I will, I will hit you. I will hit you with magic. Yep, <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with my book. I'm gonna get you some book learning the hard way. I I want someone to play uh, a librarian, Magus, who their library got burnt down, and that's why they're out just fighting. They they were like, "Yo, problem burnt <laughs> down my library." Books. Today was the day. <laughs> they woke up and chose violence that day. Yep. No, no, there was already there was already a movie based on this. Uh, you know, Weird Al Yankovic starred in the movie. He was Conan the Librarian. Oh my gosh! <laughs> How do I not know about this? <laughs> UHF is one of the greatest movies ever created. It really is. Oh I love God. that movie. <laughs> I love that movie. This, uh, I'm sorry, but sir, this is book is a little late. Uh, and the cops cuts the guy in half. <laughs> That's the greatest thing. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? He's a North American treasure. Yeah, he's a North American treasure. Come on. Oh man, why is he not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet? The world may never know. But yeah, this is this is a fun glass, B. I, I like this. Like it, it has enough crazy bullshit that I really like, while at the same time making sense. Right. Yeah, that's I, all I, I really need. I I guess. Uh, I'm. I don't know. I understand the argument for it. I just think I'm the outlier. I like. Everyone was like, I fucking hate Summoner. Summoner sounds like shit. And I was like, oh, oh like, no, 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 Summoner is beastly. It's a dope class. It's just, it's just not a class that I would personally play much of. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But like, I felt, yeah, I felt like everyone was just like Summoner's not a class I'd play, but still a good class. And I was like, I love Summoner. And then everyone was just like, Yo, I love Magus. I was like, Yo, fuck Magus. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's where you went wrong. You went from zero to eight. You were just like, 
eh, we don't prefer it. You know, like, I don't like spaghetti, but I love penne noodles. You're like, fuck penne noodles. Yo, you want to take this outside? I got book learning for you, B. I, I will say when it comes to the summoner, I feel that, especially for where where my head is at with combat and moving certain numbers of squares and aiming spells, that would cause me AP, or what was called analysis paralysis, more so than most other classes, even other classes that focus specifically on spellcasting, because now I have to not only figure out where my character is standing and the point of impact of my spells, now I have to figure out where another character that I control is standing in in the realm of magic. So that that would that would be harder for me to play. I would have fun with it, but it's it's just one more thing to add to the stack of things you have to kind of keep in your head when you're playing that class. So it is much more of an advanced class. And to the point, Magus is not an easy class either. No, it's because there's a lot of things you have to do and juggle, and you have like buffs from your stance, then you have your magus focus spells, then you have, you know, regular spells, your spell strike, is it charged? Is it not it's it's a lot of, it's a lot to take in for both classes. So there's a lot that of inventory you really gotta keep in mind. I I'm just saying I said I cast fireball, not how big the room is, <laughs> is my stance. Yeah, I'm gonna so, cast fireball through my sword. Just hit him with fireball. Uh great sword strike. which you can do with certain feats. You have to take yeah. Some yeah. I'm, I don't care, but do it anyway. <laughs> I, I blow up too. It was worth it. Um. So, uh, so anything that stuck out to anyone? I guess let's kind of just go to like a round table. We'll pop over the Tina because I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> that her roof is going to just disappear. We just see Tina just get lifted up out, and that's it. Yeah. Some Wizard of Oz shit. And yep, you just see yep. her house fitted. You're gonna see some old Bye. Tina bike blow by. <laughs> like Tina, you know fucked up now. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's bad out there. It's bad because on windy days, I would be like, I would be the one to blow away. <laughs> it would be me. Tiny, tiny Tina. Um. Yeah, I was just kind of going through some of these spells, and they're just ridiculous. I'm kind of excited to play with them. Any specific spell? Fight spell that like. I, I I mean, before we started, there was the the conversation of certain things you could do with blood and uh, blood oil. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a little crazy. There's also one that couple that I think are just funny to have. Um, there's one called Read the Air, which is literally you just pick up on social cues, and that's a spell. So, like, if you're a low charisma character and you can't do that naturally, there's a spell to help you do that. <laughs> I'm like, why? But I get it. Like, situationally, I can see when you would use it. But just, like, the fact that someone thought up that this needs to be its own spell, I kind of love. And also, like, why at the same time? People need help. Give them help. Through magic. <laughs> it's a cantrip. You can do it all the time. Yep, read the room. I I I think it, that's a, an interesting spell, um, especially for a cantrip, because like you said, like low charisma characters or low intelligence characters, right? Like we always joke about the the dumb barbarian. Uh, they probably wouldn't have that spell, but I think it's on multiple spell lists that they might be able to get access to it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a cult, and I think primal gets primal, yeah. It. Or divine or something. Let me check. It's not a couple of them. 
Yeah. So I, I I like that because you could play like the character who who is uh like kind of like Keiko, where mm-hmm. like she was just very like chaos and was like, Yeah, I'm just gonna do things. And then you you or like maybe would have behaved differently at like formal situations yeah. of like, oh, this maybe isn't the time to shut my mouth with food. Maybe I should pay attention to what's going on. Maybe nah. or nah. every so often, like Bishop. That would have helped, right? Bishop never mm-hmm. Bishop did a few times not read the room. Everyone's like, don't say this. And Bishop's like, we're going to say this right now. And everyone's like, come on, dude. Yeah. And then there's like some other weird ones. Like there's organ site where you can see an organ, the foe's organs. Wait, what? To, yeah, yeah. It's organ site. You can see a foe's organs and use your knowledge to deal precision damage. Somebody so was can... watching Mortal Kombat. There was I know where your spleen is. Fatality. So you can be like, okay, this is their body size, and this is where their organs would be, so I'm going to aim here because that's going to affect their liver. Like, it... Third level. Yeah, like, you kind of, like, see it, like, spread out. Like, you know when you get a diagram of a model, and it has, like, mm-hmm. all the parts, like, just separated from each other? I think that's kind of how you see it. Uh-uh. You're like, okay, that beating thing is probably its heart, so I'm going to aim for that. You know, it could be some strange creature. Well, I don't know where his heart is. It could be in his foot. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like, all right, everybody shoot him in the foot. Shoot him in the shoot foot. In the foot. And then I'm just, I'm, I'm loving the, the range of spells. Like just looking at the primalist, because it's what I have up right now. There's petal storm where you can cut people with petals for a minute. Yeah, and in then the there's also burst. draw lightning, and then like just, just the range of like silly and ridiculous, but mm-hmm. still lethal. And then you have like the big boss sounding ones, but I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna cut you with petals. That's a that's literally a scene from Bleach. That's yep. every anime, at least <laughs> a character anime bullshit. any anime does that. Yeah. This is anime bullshit. That's fucking well, like said, a lot of this comes yeah. from anime stuff. I believe it's, it. well. Tuxedo Mask kind of did that, but never actually did anything. He just kind of shows up, throws a flower, doesn't hit anybody, and then leaves. What was that? The dude from Bleach with Byakuya, right? Uh, yeah, Byakuya, yeah. His sword turns into th- millions of petals, and he cuts you to death with him. Nice. I mean... I do, I, I do like Geyser, just for the visual of, like, blowing water up someone, like, literally, like, just <laughs> shooting somebody up. That's a Pokemon move. We've seen that in Pokemon. Just, like... Just... Dang, they get shot straight up. That's That'd be heated water. It's heated hydro water. Pump. Hit him with the yeah, hydro pump. pump. That's what it is. Hydro mm-hmm. pump. Yep. <laughs> I want to make blastoids now. And then you can summon a kaiju. Yeah. No, stop it. What page? That? <laughs> what? What? Page 87. 87. 87. Primal tenth level spell. You uh-huh. can summon a kaiju. Well, uh-huh. that's where it's uh-huh. listed. But hold on, let me find the actual spell description. It says summon kaiju. What the? Yeah. Right. Summon kaiju. <laughs> Jim just says some summon it in kaiju. Yeah, that's stupid. So specific yeah. specific one. Like you're just like, yo, King Kong, Godzilla. Godzilla all band. day, every day. Yeah, he won that fight, but we know the truth. What Giant starfish. <laughs> Starro. Yeah, Starro. Catch motherfucking. Yeah. Like, just now I gotta find summon kaiju because I need Some to read this. Primal tenth level summon kaiju. That's ridiculous. Well, it's tenth level spell. It better well damn well be awesome. Yeah, uh, he's a fact. For tenth level spell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If if I can only get one tenth level spell and that's it. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You're scrolling down to S because I want to see some. Yeah, kaiju. I, I, I got <laughs> all the like, Hold up, hold up. First off, right above summon kaiju. 
is summon Draconic Legion, a ninth level spell. Nah, That's not a primal spell it's either. Not. It's an arcane. But summon Kaiju, range 500 feet, because obviously you don't want to cast it right next to you. Sure. Uh, until the start, until the end of your next turn, you br- briefly conjure a Kaiju, a massive rampaging. Oh my god. Okay. So does Agamazar, the Star Titan. Star. That's Star Wars. Uh mm-hmm. I I Garia, the Forever Storm. I'm assuming it's just a giant storm. No, that's uh, Gothra, but, because it's lightning. Oh, Gothra. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh Bezravinus, the Infernal Below. Uh Burrow. Um Earth's Heart, so it's kind of like a Godzilla. Oh no, here, Final King. More uh Mogaru, yeah. the final yeah. king. <laughs> yeah, this guy's King Ghidorah and uh that just volcanic sounds like breath. Him. It's got volcanic breath and it's scorching breath is 124. That's Godzilla, the final that's king. That's atomic breath, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's atomic breath. Yeah, so you could fucking make a oh my god, that's a prime. I want to be a druid again. Right. <laughs> so all of our characters die, and we get to make dope new characters. Nah, I'm good. I want to. I want to. My character's dope right now. I fucking <laughs> love Eddie. I'm just first level. I, I, so I like the primal and stuff. Then, and then there's, and then there's like tortoise in the hair, where you quicken an ally and slow a foe. Like, just some of the stuff is like ridiculous. I want to know. What, I want to be. I want to be a fly on the wall in the conversation of what. But like what spells made the book and what spells didn't, because the range here is just phenomenal. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but then then you have spells like uh this is one I've been looking at for a little bit, and, and it's a low level spell. It's one of I like sometimes looking at the lower level spells because the ones you get to get more traction and more use out of. This one's called Impending Doom. And it's a third level spell. And you target a foe and it lasts three exactly three rounds. And basically, the person, uh, the target must, it's a will save, and they they can have a potential of taking 66 mental damage, but depending on how badly they fail, shit happens to them for three rounds. Like, if they regularly fail, they're immediately flat-footed, on the second round, they become frightened two, and on the third round, they become stunned one, and then they take full damage from the spell. <laughs> if they fail that save. It's like... Yes, it's just like, it's just so, yeah, yeah, you sift through the myriad potential futures, seizing upon one potential moment in which the character meets a particularly gruesome and fatal end, and then you show that vision to the guy, and the guy starts going insane. I love it. Yep. You remember when, uh, was it Doctor Strange looks through all, like, the possibilities of winning? Yeah. He looks through all the possibilities of you losing. I'm like, ooh, this one's the most (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) Dear. I like it. I like it a lot. See, I'm over here looking at like the the crazy one. Like it is not even that crazy. It's one called biting words. And it's to me, it's just it's talking shit, but it does real damage. (laughs) You entwine magic with your voice, causing your taunts and jibes to physically harm your enemies. You can attack with words once when you finish casting the spell and repeat the attack once on each of your subsequent turns by taking a six a single action, which has the attack, concentrate, and linguistic traits. After your third attack total, the spell ends. So for three rounds, you talk shit to someone. You talk <laughs> so much shit that it does 2d6 chronic damage if nice. you hit. Like, I love that. Like, to me, just like, you know, fuck you. Hey, the yes, whole two came on. <laughs> 
and that person in your party. They ugly and they shouldn't be out here. I thought they were an orc, but clearly they're a goblin. Fair enough. Yeah, they don't look it. Stab you with, you know what they say? Use your words, not your fists. I'm going to use my words. They hit like fists. That's a victory. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to yell out fist, fist, fist. And they're just going to shoot at you and hit you in the face. Nice. You get hit with comic fans. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's one that it's like when you're playing Mario Kart and you have like the three shells that orbit you. It's called Flame Wisp. It's basically these these floating fire wisps circle your head and each time you like strike somebody, so like you physically hit them, one of these things goes off and like hits them and does one D4 fire damage. So you can nice. like cast it and then go and do your melee stuff, and then every time you hit one of these little things floating around your head goes and like burns them. And it doesn't cost you an action to let it loose, right? It lasts like, for a minute. So as as long as you know. But you don't have you to only use an get, action to shoot the flame part after you've already cast you, you, it. Right? Yeah, you, you only happens. you only get you only get three each time you cast it. So okay, but they they would like when you finish your round, you still shoot one of them off. It doesn't cost you an action to shoot it off. No, it automatically it goes when you hit. I was like, here's an extra flame attack on you for a D4. Basically. Like the visual of just like fire yeah. circling your head. Like what now? <laughs> I like a couple of these spells. I love breadcrumbs. And I'll tell you yeah. why I love breadcrumbs. Uh, breadcrumb, uh, it, can't, it takes a minute to cast because it's sort of more of an exploration type, uh, you know, uh, spell that you would cast. And it lasts for an hour. And basically you target somebody, especially like for somebody in your party that scouts ahead. And literally, it just leaves them a trail that you could follow, which is great. Like, you know, if you're going through, you know, uh, a place where there's, you know, uh, like pressure plates on the floors or something like that, and this thing sort of weaves its way through, you could follow it. Or also, if you know of, like, let's say another group has gone ahead of you and investigated, you're like, all right, dude, I'm going to tag you with this, and for an hour, I'm going to know which way you went. So, I mean, for a first-level spell, it actually is very, very useful. I, I kind of like that one. Uh, I actually like a lot of some of the uh, the elemental magic and the shadow magic that they came out with. Um, there's one in particular, uh, third level spell, Elemental Annihilation Wave. Like just the, <laughs> name, just the name of it sounds good. Yep. Um, it's a 30 foot cone, but if you take widen spell, you can make it even huger. But that's uh, that's a feat from the old book. Um, and another thing I like about some of these things, they actually let you cast it for two rounds to give it extra power. I noticed there's some spells that that do that, where like you could say, all right, I'm going to cast it for a round, and then I'm going to cast it again in the second round as one casting. So you're technically using six actions to cast this spell, but it just creates this blanket of fuck you upness. That, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this blanket cone of mess your day up. Oh, I'm sorry. I just saw something. Um, juvenile Companion. It's a first no. level spell. Yeah, I was looking at that today also. You transform like your companion into its juvenile form, such as, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's your animal companion, but basically you can make them like a little baby. You can have so a if puppy you, If you have this like big ass animal and you're like, we have to climb this cliff. My animal can't climb this cliff. You can make them a little baby and carry them and it's a little bit easier. Well, you also can do that to when you go in cities and stuff and shrink down your giant companion down. I mean, it works for 10 minutes. So, you know, you got to pick and choose, oh, but you know. <laughs> that sucks. That, that, that's when you're like, Kaiju, make it real tiny. Kaiju. Right. If, if, if you heighten it to second level, then it's an hour. 
That's better. I mean, that's how you make. Yeah, that's how you make bombs, bro. You just <laughs> you shrink down the kaiju's real small. Let them be children run around the town. Look what's that? And then all of a sudden, it just grows town size. And starts now, it's gonna be it funny if you could do that with like all your companions. Right. That that's now gonna be your new villain. Uh, they're basically selling those uh pop figurines that are actually just kaiju's, and then they're just gonna launch. You're like, oh. <laughs> no, no, that's how I'm you weaponize it, like a bag of squirrels, but they're actually like kaijus, and you just throw nice. it to somebody, and it's a, basically a bomb. That's yeah, that's terrorism. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> 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 and it says you make the target appear harmless, and then it can just go. Right. See, that's the shit that appear was harmless. In, what, what was the town we were in when we were cops? That was happening behind the scenes. Yes. <gasps> Yeah. See, that's the stuff that we weren't getting paid enough for. Right, right. <laughs> this shit. People sit on lab like, right, how can I fuck with... I got kaijus, I got you. Oh, man. I'm going to put them in a bag. I'm going to put these monsters in a bag. And just give them to people. We're like, yay, yay, little mogwais. And they blow your house up. Another thing that I actually really like is the, these magnetic spells. These magnetic spells, I, yeah, like. I think I they're great. There's a few of them, and most of them are fairly low levels, like second levels, second levels is third levels, stuff like that. Like, uh, basically, you just magnetize stuff. Like, oh, here comes a whole troop of things with armor. I'm just going to take all these copper pieces, and now they're basically just projectiles at your face. <laughs> yup. They launch away from you at massive speed. That is, like, my favorite quote in any of these spells. It just launches at you at massive speed. It's bullets. Yep, it's basically bullets. Three D six bludgeoning and three D six piercing, double damage on on critical hits. Um, it, this one only targets one creature, but it's like, all right, I'm gonna hit you with a thousand copper pieces. In the That's face. shrapnel. You're hitting somebody with shrapnel. Yeah, it's basically shrapnel bombs. It's great. It has great range, 120 <laughs> feet. Uh, I also like the uh, magnetic repulsion, which is pretty cool because if if uh, if you're wearing arm, I can pretty much push you away from me, which is great. So like yeah, you know, really you cool. can just maneuver. You can sort of just maneuver the battlefield and just be like, oh, these knights have surrounded you. I'm like, no, they're not. Get back. <laughs> like, stand back. And it lasts for a minute, so I was like, all right, try to get close to me. Mimic Undead is kind of fun, too. Mimic, you what? Mimic Undead, you get a cloak that you wear, and it like literally like stops your breathing and your heartbeat, so you can't be detected oh. as a living creature. Oh, what? That's actually pretty cool. The That's second level, cool. yeah. I like See, it. So, so I, I love this book because you got a lot of cool things coming out, right? Like, so we're talking about spells. Um, and then there's a, a lot of archetypes and stuff like that. Um, Mud Pit. Ruin Lord Magic. <laughs> Here's the biggest problem with these books. They just come out, and now I'm in the campaign, and I'm like, how do I install all these really cool items and stuff? into the campaign so that my players can enjoy them. Obviously, spells are one thing, right? Like, I could put up spells, but now, like, I'm I'm looking at Tina, right? So y'all have all these different faces, right? So I have the big screen so I could see who's talking when. Um, but I, I'm, I look at Tina, and every time I talk about the Megas, her eyes just glintered. A little more. I don't know if it was the lights flinkering, but it was it the... <laughs> right? That was the lightning, bro. That it was, was the, the lightning. lightning. But like I'm like, oh, this stuff. It's just like, how do I make my like? 
because it's it's kind of like oh this was really cool uh and you have like buyer's remorse right um not not just buyer's remorse but like there's really cool things in there that i feel that like sometimes you want to put into your campaign but you're like how how do you put it in you know and that's kind of the one thing with these books is like they come out you're in the middle of a campaign and you're like damn it well, it's, it's one of those things like, oh, it's the new book. So like, I want to use all of this stuff because it's so new and I want to just throw everything in. You know, it's going to make leveling up for spellcasters a lot harder because you have so much more to choose from. Like, oh, what spell do I want? You're going to be like, I need this one. Oh, no, I need this one. And then you start bookmarking everything. Like, I even think this one at next level or I got to make sure I take this one because some of these things are great. It reminds like, me a lot of uh, second edition when the Tome of Magic came out with all of these new spells and new magic items. And you're like... Oh my god, I need to have all of these. And then you realize, like, oh, I can only cast, you know, this many spells. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, it makes choosing your spells a lot harder, but it enables yeah. you to be a little more creative. Well, especially you see, when uh, you can like re-pick your spell list, like at the end of a long rest. It's like sure. I have I have to do this every time. So like if you're playing like one session, but you go to sleep three times, like you could technically pick a new it's a lot. Right. Yeah, well, it's a little different when you actually have a spell book, though, because you need to, I guess, sort of find spells or gain your spells as you level. You know, I mean, you can still change on a long, you know, after a long rest, you can, you know, re-prepare your spells and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's always exciting when, especially a new magic book, because, you know, we're all waiting for new magic items. We're like, all right, how many, like, you know, you know, how many of these things can I take at, like, first and second level? You know, there's not that many in the, in the regular player's guide, but uh, it gives you just... It just gives you a lot more options. Um, like I said, there's also sort of like, like I said, they have like the shadow stuff. You know, when you get to the archetypes, you got the shadow stuff, you got the elemental stuff. Um, you could sort of build along that. Even if you don't go that archetype, you could sort of be like, oh, you know what? I like all the magnetism spells. So I'm going to take all of them Magneto. You know, at some point and I'm going you know, to use them and be like, all right, I'm going to push you guys away. I'm going to attract you guys. I'm going to stand at the edge of the cliff and just, you know, attract you guys, jump off, feather fall myself, and watch you all fall with me because I'm pulling you down with my magnetism. Yeah. You know, it's, it's also <laughs> how you use stuff. I mean, you know, some stuff sounds like, oh, it only does this. But, if, you know, it's all situational. Situational stuff is really, really good. And that's one thing I sort of really love to do is play on my environment with my spells. To, to break off, because you mentioned uh, magic items, there's a couple of, couple of new magical items that they came out with. One of the things is, yet again, this is from first edition where they brought this back, is specialized spell books. And they're called grimoires. I thought that's a really cool where you can actually have your grimoire, your spell book, give you some sort of benefit, whether it's like a once a day thing or whatever. But it's just like, no, my my grimoire, like um, you know, it's like the codex of unimpeded sight. You know, it's just that it gives you some weird uh, effect of like a uh, true seeing or uh, re- recalling knowledge benefit or whatever. Uh, but also, uh, Jared had mentioned this before we started recording. Tattoos are a thing now. Magical tattoos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give me the runes. Yeah, they've used that in other systems prior. Yeah, which, uh, but it's now officially it's, it's still in tech always, It's always cool. It's always cool. <laughs> or it was something you could only get as a human. Yeah. It's a little limiting as to how often. You you can now take tattooing or uh, magical tattooing or like tattooing as a, a like it's a, a, a skill feet? feat. Yeah, it's skill a crafting feet. skill feat. Yeah, as a crafting skill feat, and then you can now tattoo your party if they want. Obviously, you know, uh, if they want it, that's like a cool thing you could do now. Um, but 
the most important thing is there is now a new background, a new archetype that I'm a bit confused about. Uh, there's a lot of this book I'm a bit confused about. Um, obviously, you need to sit down and read a little more. Um, there's the Rune Lord background where yes. you are, you become a Rune Lord, like of greed and shit like that. And it, it looks pretty dope. Uh, but it has a lot of obviously, you know, if you're doing homebrew stuff, it really has uh, no bearing. But for people playing in Pathfinder, Rune Lords are important. They're kind of like big bads every so often. Um, but it's 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 a weird. So they they do talk about it. It's it's called Thessalonian Rune Magic, right? Um, they talk about the seven schools, and then the dedication. So you have to take Rune Lord specialization, um, and then you have to choose a school. So like, oh, I want, and this is on page uh, 240. Uh, so you're like, okay, I want to be a Rune Lord of, like, Steve, uh, like uh, Jeff's character, um, Soratek, could be Envy, Abjuration, right? Like, if, 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 if he wanted to. Um, so you must be a wizard specializing in one of the seven schools other than Divination. And then in addition to the normal spells, you learn the initial rune spell associated with your school, and then you can refocus. So there's a lot going on there, and I think you you can only do this as a wizard, which I think is interesting. Um, so here, here we go. So this, the, this book introduced a new thing called class archetypes. And there are... Several in this book, Elementalist, Flexible Spellcaster, Rune Lord, and Wellspring Mage. There may be others as well. These archetypes uh, tra uh, th these archetypes with class traits fundamentally diverge your class's specialities, but still within fit within your class's theme. Each one of these is going to have a restriction or a requirement that you must meet to be able to take the archetype. So when we look at Thessalonian Rune Magic and we look at the... Uh, specialization here. Uh, prerequisites. You must be a wizard specializing in one of the seven schools other than divination. So that's one of the requests. So this one, you have to be wizard and you have to specialize and you can't specialize in divination. So for this one specifically, you're right, you have to be wizard. But for other specializations, it's not necessarily a requirement to be wizard, just to be clear, just to clear, clarify that. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is it's, it, it, it's weird, right? Like, because if you're, if you're building this, Again, it makes things a little bit more difficult for your players. So it's just more of like a, a buyer beware situation because your player has to be a wizard. Your player has to specialize in something that isn't divination. And then they also have to diverge from the main the, because it adds feats, but it's also not a, a dedication in a weird way. It, it is and it isn't. Yeah, like that's what I mean. It, it is and it isn't at the same time. Um, while dedications are like, oh, you could just dedicate into this, right? If you meet these prereqs, uh, these are, are, are like seriously weird or different. Um, I'm sad that the rune lord can only be a wizard. I would, uh, uh makes sense. I though. mean, they're, they, yeah, it does. I mean, there, there could be an argument yeah. there for, for Magus, right? Because Magus is, is kind of like a, a wizard fighter. You could, you could say that the, the, Thessalonian, uh, the rune lords weren't really interested in fighting. They were more about overwhelming power at the sacrifice of everything else. 
So to being like forcing it to be a wizard, even to say that you couldn't even be a sorcerer and do this. You really have to be a studied wizard, magic user, really focus on. And the cool thing is, is I mean, yeah, we all have to understand that this specialization is rare. I don't know about the other ones, but I specifically know this one is rare because it is rune lord magic. But each one of, because obviously the rune lords, if you haven't known this by now, they're separated each school or each specialization for the rune lords is separated by a sin, one of the seven sins. And it brings back prohibited schools of magic. So if you pick one of the one of the ones, you get some benefits, but there are schools of magic that you literally just cannot cast anymore. Right. I thought it was I thought that was cool. Yeah, I remember that was in uh in second edition Dungeons and Dragons, it was like that. If you went a specialty mage, you had the opposition school. You would have like the little mm -hmm. chart with the star and it had all the names of the classes, and if it was opposite, you couldn't take it. And I think if it was adjacent to it, you had a less percent chance to learn a spell from that school. You know, well, again, it's you're, you're really specializing, so it's going to cost you something somewhere else to gain the powers that you need to be that archetype. But yeah, this isn't something that obviously, because we're going back to the, the idea of being rare, this isn't something that you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everyone, everyone's a rune lord in our game. No, it's, you know. It's right. a thing, you know, obviously being rare, you may want to like take a really hard long look at it and it doesn't necessarily have to be the focus of your game, but just be careful when you're giving rare stuff away in large quantities because it can spiral pretty quick. Uh what if you play so let's say you sit down with your DM, right? And and now I want to go back and replay Rise of Lord. <laughs> what what if what if what if 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 you play uh a time displaced person as your background and you're a wizard and then you're like I was from there I'm a rune lord I'm a wizard Ari I'm a oh, wizard no. but you're like I'm a war rune lord Weird. I think that would be a good argument for I mean you could that's that's also an anime that's an yep. anime probably yeah I've seen that one more than likely. Couple. You caused yeah, yourself to become a rune lord because you went back in time and caused yourself to become a rune lord, which causes you to go back in time to become a rune lord, which is called. Yeah. It's a loop. Oh no! Goddamn no. if then loops. Oh, oh, you, yo, don't do it. Don't do it, Jared. Yo, I've seen it in your eyes. It. No, don't do Get it. This. You. So that's the campaign Tina's talking about, where everyone's rare. So someone does that one, and then <laughs> and then Tina takes the chosen background, and her chosen background. Is to stop the rune lord. Who's and her? you're the rune lord. So they're like, so Tina's character is out to stop the rune lord's character, who's the chosen one. And then you have the, the magical uh, <coughs> misfit thing that Jeff was talking about, the Wolverine, or like the Deadpool, the magical Deadpool. Yeah, experiment is from a rune lord from the rune lord. So it all it all just starts to tie in. And you're like, wait. Conspiracy board really comes yeah. into play. I feel well, it already. Even the anti-magical background, you could try to like, you know, yeah. you could try to be like, you know, sort of snuff out the magic of powerful things and stuff be like that. Be a suspicious, bar uh, suspicion instinct barbarian with the anti-magic background. Whoa. Gross. <laughs> I like this. I like it a lot. Looks like we're stopping another campaign going back to Rise of the Rune Lords. <laughs> right? You know what? Let's put a pause real quick. We'll be right back.
It's like everybody's a everybody's a wizard now. That's it. <laughs> you are it'll wizard, Harry. Like, it'll just be like Infinity War where they time travel and go back. We'll just revisit old campaigns and just yeah. hop. That's it. <laughs> oh man. So um, you know, that's that's actually something uh Jeff just said that I think I'm really happy because I was concerned, right? Like I was actually concerned. So Jeff just said, so everyone's a wizard, right? And certain tabletop role-playing games have put magic into every class. And I was very concerned that this book was going to do the same, especially when I heard about the emotional magic. I was like, oh, that's definitely going to tie into Barbarian, where you could be like, oh, I'm angry, but I'm this emotion angry. So you're going to get this magic or stuff like that. And I was very concerned that like they were going to give magic to every class, right? Like, like, but they didn't like the book was just like, Hey, there's just more spells, two new classes and cool archetypes, right? Yeah, It's just, it's just basically an addendum to the magic classes. Yes. Yeah. Which is what we all wanted. You know, we have a lot of, we said, Oh, we need some new spells or we need Mm -hmm. some new magic items or, you know, we need some new backgrounds or feats and stuff like that. And, we got him. Yeah. Scorching Ray's you back. Know? Scorching yeah. Ray is back. I did see that. Yes. They really listened to people that were what people wanted. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like magic is cool because it's like, even though like I'm not a huge magic fan, but it's like there's a lot of different options. And as much as you can stab and cut and, you know, slice and smash things in so many different ways, when you can add that twist of the arcane or the occult or freaking the whatever, whatever the, the holy version one is, Right into like your magical moves, and you now have more ops for that. I think that's gonna be so much fun. And just going through half of these spells and the different items and the new like backgrounds that add even you see the whole magical background. Like there's literally like whole magic like pervasive pervasive magic where it gives you like some magical background, like Sturge Investigator, Cantrip casting, basic spell casting that you can just take outside of other classes, so you don't have to be a wizard or a uh, freaking sorcerer. You can just be like, all right, now you got magic. Go for it. Have fun. They're rare, but it's interesting. And it really like adds more of what people wanted to see and add in their characters. I really like what did with this. Like, you remember when we were talking about the Druid a while back and I was like, the the order the orders are a little limiting. I wanted to see more elemental stuff. They did that. Mm-hmm. There's flame order, sto- stone order, and wave order. So you what? now have orders. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What page am I on? That's the elementalist one, right? 198. Yeah, 198. So yeah, there's flame order, stone order, and wave order. So now if you want to focus on a specific element, you can. They did it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love the I love all the elementalism stuff. I think it's fantastic. It really, it mm-hmm. really fleshes it out a lot more. There's so many... Like, oh, it's like, oh, I was going to be this druid, and that's that was it. You know, they did... Like, uh, there is fire resistance, which makes sense if that's your thing. So, like, you know, it is a feat you have to take. You don't just get it, but that it's it's there. Right. You could you could really flesh it out, and you can build out your druid more the way you want it to, your druid to be yeah. in the beginning. Like, oh, I'm going to be a druid. I'm going to specialize in, like, you know, like, uh, like you know, fire and water. I'm either going to put out flames or I'm going to make flames, and I'm going to sort of run with those or you know or like if you especially when you combine elements and you get the para elementals and the quasi elementals like oh i'm going to make magma out of fire and and stone or i'm going to make mist out of you know fire and, yeah. and air and stuff and you know uh, 
It's, it's just like, I don't know, I, I was briefly looking at the elementalism stuff. I think it's great. I, I, they really needed to add it. To, and some of the spells in the mm-hmm. spell list are really, really good for those too. Yeah, that the focus spells that they added on too, because that's those are the ones that you're going to be able to recharge every 10 minutes if you have the time for it. Um, combustion. Set somebody on fire. Simple and clean. <laughs> I like that pulverizing cascade. That one's a good, yeah. I think that's pretty that's pretty pretty boss too. Rising surf, wildfire, stone light. Like you can harden your skin, like that's a feat. Cool shit. Yeah, cool so shit. so so you can like really like if what? you don't wanna be about like a a thing, you know, you can just do an element and just kind of base everything. On an element. You so yeah, I think I I was I was very uh pro elemental magic in the sense of like they needed to do that for druids, and I'm really happy they do it. Um and they didn't do it in a weird way where it was like you could just you know, like oh, you could just add this on. I've been saying since like jump, they needed to add more orders to druid, and this that made perfect sense. Yeah, and I'm glad they didn't do weird things where it wasn't like oh, we're doing fungus and it's feather. not that specific. Yeah, yeah. it's right. still general enough that you can play around with it. But yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do any weird things where it's like oh, you're just the fungus order. I'm like, but why isn't that plant no fungus? It's different. <laughs> you're like, so I just make fungus. Yeah, you're just a fun guy. You're like, ah, uh, you're just a fun guy. Yeah, I get it. Jokes. So I think we we kind of had like a really cool chat about this. So why don't we just kind of do a quick like, hey, this is what I felt about it, Jeff. What what are your final thoughts on on all of this, Jazz? All right. Well, uh, I'm actually very excited to really give this a, like a thorough read. Um, I'm very impressed with the new spell selection. Uh, the, the new backgrounds are great. Um, I like how they give you more rare options as well. So it's not like, oh, I have two rare options to choose from, you know, but you know, they give you, a, they give you really a lot to flesh out the way you initially wanted your spellcaster to be. Um, I think they, uh, improved the, um, the Magus and the Summoner from the playtest. Um, I remember in the playtest, the Magus was buttocks. Um, the summoner was was pretty strong, uh, but I, I think both of them are are really really good. Um, I love having the uh, availability of new magic items, and um, I'm thoroughly going to enjoy reading this book. And um, yeah, I'm kind of happy about it. And uh, a lot of the archetypes are really really interesting, and uh, I think they've sort of fleshed out a lot of the spellcasting classes. Cool, Tina, uh, you're. Your, your synap- synopsis, your synapsis on your synapsis. synapsis. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoy this and I think it's, it's a little, um, inconvenient that I, I, you know, playing a spellcaster twice in a row. I'm like, no, I'm going to be a melee. And now this comes out. And I'm like, I really want to get the spellcast. Um, but I love how it kind of covers the whole base from, spells to classes to we didn't really get too much into items but like there's a whole section on like creating your own staff and like the parameters on how to do that so like you can really customize it even more um which is exciting and just the way some of these spells are structured it just kind of gives you ideas for 
what kind of character would use these and what situations. So like if you're having a complete roadblock and you don't know what to pick a lot of this and the way that they're described, it gives you like ideas for, okay, this is kind of who I want to play. Cause I want to use the spell. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the variety. I think it's really well done. I love all the, uh, the ideas they've incorporated and I want to use as much as I possibly can. So, uh, what I'm hearing is, uh, your character, a caster, yeah. your, your character uh, <laughs> might do a, a full change. I mean, Magus is pretty dope, but if you could get that, if you could give me a reason why you're a druid and you need kaijus, I, I'll, I'll, I'll swing it. We'll swing I it. Mean, I mean, we, we, we did have that, you know, Rise of the Rune Lords part two that we never quite finished. We can get our OG characters up to level 20. Keiko summoning a kaiju. <laughs> That would be boss. I don't know if you're ready for that, but I am on board. Nobody's ready. Nobody <laughs> is ready. That we is need good. to we just have a level 20 game with all of our OG characters and just see what the I'm I'm down for that. I'm down for a level 20 just brawl. <laughs> full brawl. Yep. Uh balls to the wall. Um and then watch watch me pull my beard hair out. Yep. And uh Fabio, your thoughts? You've been uh, fairly quiet at this end. Well, I like it. Like, to be completely honest with you, like, I'm going through this entire, like, book. It really made me go. They listened to what people wanted, and they added it the way that they wanted it. Right? There's a lot of different options, just like everybody else said, that whether you can create your character. But I feel like fleshing out certain spells, differentiating certain spells, putting themes to certain spells giving you options for whether you want to go into a rune lord's route or whether you want to go into a full elemental route or if you just want to make foo-foos or hulus or little magical tags and throw things at people like you know like jackie chan adventures in my brain this is cool because it it really gives you different ideas that you can mess around with and it was stuff that people were asking for whenever i hear developers or companies listening to their audience and giving them what they want i always get a sense of happiness because then playing the game seems a little bit more fun it's definitely more enjoyable and you can be as creative as you want and now have rules and other avenues for these things there's a lot of random bullshit that i definitely annoyed jared about on a regular basis on how like yo can i do this instead he's like no dude find it in the book now I have a new book to find some shit and I can just harass them some more. So thank you, Paizo, for giving me more ammunition to hassle my DM with. I'm happy. Steve. <laughs> Steve, what, what, what you, I got nothing on that end. I'm, just, I'm like, okay. He's like, Steve, help me. Steve, help me. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to respond to that statement. I got nothing. I literally got nothing. He's like, fuck, Bobby going to bother me. Yes. It's like error. <laughs> that literally, I, literally, I heard it and my brain just said, don't respond. <laughs> It'll go away if you don't acknowledge it. <laughs> exactly. It'll never go away. <laughs> It'll never go away. Uh, <laughs> All right, so the Secrets of Magic book, really, when someone says that they're coming out with a new class book, 
there sometimes the people just go, oh, just another class book, and it's got a few options and maybe some feats and an item or two. Whoop de whoop de do. This book is the full package. It's got lore on how the are the the different types of magic. Think of the other types of magic. It's got the two really awesome, very separate types of classes with the summoner and the magus. It's got crazy wonky anime BS spells that let you fly and summon kaijus and just boil people's blood and all the fun stuff and turn it to demons. You can turn it to a demon if you want. But then it's got like crazy magic items. We even go into personal staves that Tina mentioned. We also have spell catalysts, which you can add components to spells to make them more powerful. We didn't even touch that. That that That's really cool. We have all the different types of um, the Book of Unlimited Magic, which is Chapter 5, when we went through the Cathartic Magic, the Ruler Magic, Geomancy, Ley Lines, all this different wonky stuff where it gives options to your players, it gives options to your DM. You know, even going back to something like old school stuff, like True Name Magic is in here. I mean, we even touched that. I always thought that was a cool, cool concept. So this book is really like a total package of if a DM needs lore for how magic works and how the magic that maybe they want it to work, it's in here. If you want to be a player, you want to create a cool, weird flying person that melds with your Eidolon and goes full Venom, you could do that here too. So it's an awesome book. I I I agree with that. Um I disagree with Fabio, but no. <laughs> I, I I agree I agree with with everything everyone said. Uh, the true naming stuff I I want to talk about, uh, but in a separate video, uh, more of a deep dive video, only because true naming I I love, and since we are playing Wrath of the Righteous, true names come up heavily within the lore of demons and and devils. So and there's two characters currently that are looking for proper names of proper devils and or demons uh, in our current campaign. So that's something I want to get into and kind of rip apart so that I can give it to them. Um, but yeah, like, again, something I didn't think I would need, right? Like, I was like, ah, true names, are, I'll, I'll figure it out in the end. They, they got me. You know, they, 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 they did it for, they did all the heavy lifting. Um, so I think in full closing, uh, is this a buy from everyone? Is this like a you should definitely pick this up, or is it a pass? Oh no, it's a definite buy. This is there's really nothing in this book that I don't like. Same. Buy it. It's worth it. You'll definitely get a lot of use out of it. There's a lot of mileage, and it'll go a long way. Yeah, like this is something that I'd actually want to go out and like get the hard copy for, not just the PDF, because I feel like especially with the artwork and everything, the way it's laid out, like I want to be able to flip through the pages and to really go through everything in detail. I'm actually going to give a slightly different answer on this one. For me, for, for, for Steve, Steve is going to buy this book, right? But Steve is also very aware of the rules in the game. If a new player walks out and buys the core rule, uh, the the Pathfinder Second Edition core rulebook, and this book, it's gonna it, they're just gonna just check out because this is way this is a lot of information. There's a lot of information of pretty ad more advanced stuff that like spell catalysts and it's just like they hit a lot of new stuff in here that isn't in the core rulebook and not even how it functions. So 
I would say if you've been playing Pathfinder Second Edition, you should be you should already have this in your cart and you should already be checking out this book. If you're brand new, this is something you work up to because this is not just a lore book where you go, oh, okay, I gotta just read it and I don't really have to really know how it works, right? This is it's all of that put together and it could be a little overwhelming for new players. Yeah, I, I that does make sense. Yeah, like I said, if you're like a, a first time player, you're like, oh, I want to start playing Pathfinder, you're gonna buy this, you're gonna like your head's gonna spin a little bit. But once you sort of get the nuances of the game, your head's going to be like, okay, mm. now I know why. And it's yeah. in a good way. Yeah, especially uh, like myself uh, and our group. We've been playing since it came out, since second edition dropped. Um, I forced Tina to learn to play this game. Uh, so <laughs> first episode we recorded was the day second edition came out. Yeah. So, so we've been kind of keeping up with it. And there is still a lot in here that I'm still struggling with. Uh, and I'm sure everyone's going to have questions. So I agree with Steve on that. If you've been playing this since John Board a few months, buy this, buy this book, buy the book now. Uh, beautiful artwork. Uh, There's the two new iconics, which we didn't even talk about. Uh, they brought back the old first edition Magus, and they now created a new summoner iconic, which uh, I, I think she's beautiful uh, as a character. Um, you know, what, what do I know as an artist? I, I love that fact that they keep if you look at her eyelon, like her, their symbol is all over the character. Like she has a, a special symbol and it's it's all throughout her. It's it's very uniformed. And I love that. Um they did make uh the, the Magus iconic uh less 19 like early 2000s matrix uh <laughs> and more real, like more like Lee. Yeah, more believable. <laughs> um, the, the the iconic has a rough background, right? Like if you ever learn about uh Cell Thiel, um it, it's a rough background for the, the Megas. Uh Ija, 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 uh the new summoner. Uh her her stuff is really cool. Um obviously they're gonna release more information as they go on. Uh but with all that said, I think from all of us here at Nothing Venture, Nothing Aim, we we, we love this book, we think it's a great buy. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you had fun listening to us to just argue and, and ramble and me obviously pick the wrong door by saying Magus uh, is not the class <laughs> and Summoner is the class. That was the wrong door. Um, Tell so, us what team you're on. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be oh, somebody yeah. be like, I don't want to play this Magus. I want to be this Summoner and do crazy things and just flank stake everything. Frank. Let so, us know I, in the comments which team you're on. Yeah, team team summoner <laughs> or team Magus. Come on, team summoner. I want to get. I, I gotta get that shirt. Team summoner. <laughs> Magus. Um, <laughs> we're, we're great. We're, nah, man, summoner all day, every day. Uh, but we we could keep arguing about that, not on air, and stop our listeners uh, from having to deal with hearing us uh, yell at each other about who's right or who's wrong. Um, so, as always. We are nothing venture, nothing game. Rolling dice, giving advice with a little bit of that New York spice. Say goodnight, everyone. Good night, everyone. Later. Later. Get the book. <laughs>